fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile What is going on YouTube? Interesting saying that one. Uh, it's just usually the Facebook on this, but we are live with the week three market report. I am, of course, the Wolf of Roto Street, where we breed and feed fantasy wolves, and I'm here to give you all the action you need to know from a crazy week three. Uh, we're going to go through, as always, the risers, the fallers, and your penny stocks, the waiver wire guys you need to look for, as well as any injuries, and we've got a loaded agenda here. As you can see on the side, those are our risers. We're also going to cover Saquon Barkley's injury. we got six waiver wire targets here and a bunch more uh, for you to look for. So come on in, ask any sit-start questions, any type of waiver wire questions, anything you need at all. That is why we are here and we are live. Um, we're going to start, though. I'm going to go to the risers tab here. And let's get to it. Mike Evans, welcome to the fantasy football season, Mike. Thanks for showing up, buddy. Uh, just in time to face me, of course. Eight Catches on 15 targets, 190 yards, and three, yeah, count them, three touchdowns in their week three loss to the Giants. What a loss, by the way. Unbelievable. Bruce Arians taking that penalty and then missing the kick. But this isn't about real life. This is about fantasy. And holy hell did Mike Evans come back with a vengeance tonight. Uh, monstrous performance, over 35 first half points, finishes right around 40 in pretty much any scoring format. The guy was a monster. Hopefully you listened to Sean Keegs, our buy low, sell high guy, listed Mike Evans as a definite target for this week. Uh, and you can definitely see why at this point. Uh, Danny Dimes, yeah, I see that. Kevin Duffy, we'll talk about him at nauseam tonight. What an unbelievable performance. But Mike Evans is back. It's clear that he is going to be that top guy. Yes, Godwin's still going to be involved. He had three catches for 40 yards, disappeared in this act. I hope it's not a yo-yo thing where one blows up and the other just disappears, which it's kind of been this year. I imagine at a certain point it bounces out and both of these guys can get it rolling. But ultimately, Mike Evans, welcome back to the 2019 season. What a monstrous performance. After Mike Evans, though, another humongous development here. Not a huge stat line, but it's more so the usage, what those t type of trends you want to see. That's on Johnson. Absolute workhorse the week after C.J. Anderson is cut. He gets a career-high 20 carries. Does pretty much nothing with him, only getting 36 yards. But the key was at the goal line, he remained the guy. One score. Also adds a catch for seven yards in their victory over the Eagles. Now, yes, it was a... a Pretty pathetic, inefficient performance. But ultimately, you can't hold that too much against Carrion. The Eagles' D-line is one of the best in the league. They've been stuffing running backs all year. You just got to look at these numbers. And the fact that he had 20 carries plus the goal line involvement is enormous moving forward. Now, Paul Perkins was a healthy scratch. Let's see, you know, Carrion do this when everybody's in the lineup. It seems kind of funny that I even have to mention Paul fucking Perkins. But that's the world we live in when you're in a Matt Patricia team. He wants that committee. He wants to force it. But this was so encouraging from a 
usage standpoint. Carryon Johnson, if he's going to see this type of volume, is a huge bet to finish as a low-end RB1 that many people, not me, I was down on the guy, I thought he was stuck for a committee, uh, but if he's going to see that usage, he'll hit those low-end RB1 expectations. Just note, though, a sketchy injury history dating all the way back to college, so you got to make sure you you don't get overly excited because he could break down at any point. Just put that on your radar. Another guy, welcome to the 2019 season, Mr. Joe motherfucking Mixon. Thanks for showing up, buddy. Uh, 61 yards on 15 carries, two catches for 34 yards, and the score, not a humongous line, but a nice 18 points after he had abandoned his owners for two and four points, respectively, over his first couple games. That's fantastic, but what's most encouraging there to me was the fact that they finally, and finally, Finally, Zach Taylor decided to wake up and use him in space, getting him off on toss sweeps, hitting him in the screen game. And that's when he really started to rack up a lot of that yardage. So moving forward, I'm really hoping they look back at the tape and say, hey, this is how Joe Mixon needs to be used. He looked as spry as he's ever looked when he finally wasn't getting shoved into the teeth of that awful offensive line. A big fan of Joe Mixon moving forward with that type of usage, especially when A.J. Green comes back. The line gets a little more time to gel and do those zone blocking concepts. Still, you got to be nervous about the fact that he could get game flowed at any point that defense is abysmal that line still sucks but you gotta imagine Zach Taylor looks at that tape and says damn this guy is so fucking dangerous in space and hopefully that moves forward we got a few questions to start here so I'm gonna get to those and I'll get to the rest of your risers and fallers uh, momentarily Danny Dimes though as Kevin Duffy said that's gonna be a huge story of this week so we're gonna save that one I hope you can stick around with us Duffy but man I, I hate to say I saw it coming but I saw it coming. Told everybody to stash that guy this week. He's going to be a bona fide QB1 in fantasy football. The rushing, the throwing, I mean, the, th- the way he was dropping it right down was unbelievable. Start two, Mixon, Henry, Aaron Jones. I haven't looked at matchups exactly quite yet. Uh, if you tune into our ranking show, which will be tomorrow live, Kevin, I can give you a better insight, but gut call right off the bat. I'd say probably Henry and Mixon. Uh, we're going to talk about Aaron Jones in a second and not for positive reasons. Jet asking, my team has been ruined by injury. I'm sorry to hear that. Gordon, oh God, yeah, that's tough. No tight end. Should I trade Hollywood Brown for Disley, Miles Sanders, and Barber? No, that's just terrible. Hollywood Brown has that you know, weak winning type of upside. Disley's nobody. Miles Sanders is going to be another five to six weeks. Barber, puke. Uh, I would not make that trade, Jeff. I, I know you're in a desperate position, but do not get preyed upon. Miles, I mean, Miles Sanders is a great stash, but if you're in win now, now mode, it's not a Miles Sanders type of trade. I guess if you really like, if you're going to start three of those guys, all three of them for Hollywood, then yeah, but mostly not the not the case. Who dat? Lost Breeze, picked up Red Rocket and Allen, played Allen week three, definitely helped. Who should I start week four or should I, or, or should I try to look for someone else on the wire? I mean, you got to look for Daniel Jones first and foremost. I love Josh Allen too moving forward. He's going to have to get his points against the Patriots team. So who dat? Not a bad option to have Josh Allen, but check for Danny Dimes. That guy looked like a monster. Or do you mean Kyle Allen, I guess? Uh, I don't know who Kyle Allen faces this week, so let me know who his matchup is, but I would definitely be looking for uh, Daniel Jones there. All right, let's keep moving to my nice misspelled Darren Waller. Darren Whaler. Nice job, Wolf. Uh, Darren Waller. What an unbelievable target hog this guy has become. Another t- week leading the, the Raiders in looks. It's 
like Jared Cook on steroids from last year. 13 catches on 14 targets, a whopping 134 yards against a tough Vikings defense. He just was completely running at will wide open, and Derek Carr was locked in on this guy the entire afternoon. Uh, did Only had one incompletion, and it could have gone all the way, but he just barely missed it on a grab. And unbelievable. This guy is a freak athlete making contested catches, running at will after the catch, getting wide open deep down seams. He's their number one weapon here. I mean, Tyrell Williams is also playing very, very well, but it ultimately does mean uh, Darren Waller is at worst the number two weapon there. I'd say number one at this point. Top five tight end, no doubt about it. You look at breakout tight ends, it almost is always about volume, and he is going to be showered each and every week. It's clear. He's making great plays in the red zone too. I love Darren Waller moving forward. Top five tight end, no doubt. Here's a guy, I hope you listened to me when I said buy low on this guy after his week one, one target, he had a TD performance, because ever since then, he's been that absolute focal point we expected. That's Tyler Lockett. Another monster effort, 11 catches on 14 targets, easily a career high, both the catches and the targets for 154 yards and a touchdown. That makes 26 targets and 21 catches over his last two games. So anyone worried, is he going to ever be used to run heavy offense? Oh my God, he only had one target week one. Oh, I hope you capitalized and prayed upon him because holy hell, Lockett is exactly what I was hoping for. That high volume, high usage guy. He's getting moved all over, getting peppered in screens, getting into the backfield. I mean, this is the clear-cut engine of the passing game. And even more encouragingly, another note we had on our site is Russell Wilson, what he has to play from behind is so fucking good. Over 400 yards this week after they take an early deficit to the Saints. That was unbelievable for Russell Wilson. When he has that type of game script, he is a monster. Uh, And that's going to be great for Tyler Lockett too because this defense looks pathetic. They can't contain Teddy Bridgewater. Give me a fucking break. The Seahawks are done on defense. They usually get it done with minimal talent, but not the case now. So Lockett everywhere week should be locked into some serious volume. I'd say 10 plus targets. And remember last year, crazy efficiency, historic efficiency on only the the 70th most targets or something of that nature. Had the 14th most fantasy points. Was perfect on Russell Wilson's attempt. Hasn't been quite as efficient this year, but it doesn't matter when he's nearly doubled his looks already. Uh, So you got to be thrilled about Tyler Lockett. And then of course, as Kevin Duffy mentioned right at the top, Danny Dimes, well, all ships rise in fantasy with Daniel Jones. We rank our fantasy players on, yes, their individual talent, yes, their usage. That's what most people cut the equation up. Surrounding talent is obviously so crucial, and Danny Dimes is a beast. He is for real. I am fully bought in. I fully believe in this guy's arm, and that's going to mean huge things for Evan Ingram and especially Sterling Shepard. Now, Ingram was already getting it done with Eli Manning at the helm because he's just so great after the catch, such a freak athlete, faster 40 than Hodel Beckham. Just insane, insane type stuff there. Uh, But now that he's got a guy that can really thread it deep, really get that verticality element brought to his game, Ingram's going to be unstoppable. We saw that, again, Yak with that 85-yard touchdown. This guy is easily the number two target uh, tight end in fantasy at this point behind only Travis Kelsey. I love Evan Ingram. If you got this guy, you got yourself a round 5-6 steal. Unbelievable. And Sterling Shepard, another 100-yard day, uh, this time with Daniel Jones. Instead of being on those just like quick, disgusting, awful short outs, 
Angry, uh, Sterling Shepard was used so much more creatively. I love da- Daniel Jones' timing. Um, I keep calling him Danny Dimes. That's going to be his name. No Daniel Jones. Who the hell is that? But his, da- his Danny Dimes' timing on those like little loft passes into the corner of the end zone are impeccable. And Shepard runs those routes so well. I feel like we're going to see those two hook up routinely. And speaking of this whole offense kind of ascending with a Daniel Jones chip, and we're going to talk about his own value when we get to waiver wires in a little bit. Uh, ultimately, you got to stash Golden Tate. If he somehow is sitting there out in your league, those two showed great chemistry this preseason. He could easily end up being the number 1A, 1B with Sterling Shepard. I mean, obviously Evan Ingram, the top guy there. Duffy commenting, he's a beast. Yes, he's an absolute monster. Uh, So yeah, huge fan there of Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, all ships rising with Daniel Jones. We got about 15 or 16 more risers on our site, on the app. Just search Roto Street Journal in your app store. Find it. It's clean. It's beautiful. Uh, You can also check out rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch as well uh, if you want to download those and catch more of these notes. I only take the top six for each category, but we're going to be covering so much more than that. So make sure you are tuned in. Jet asking, the rest of my team is Russell Wilson, Latavius Murray, Chubb, Robert Woods, Hollywood Brown, Moore, Graham. What do you think about that trade? Knowing my team because Moore scares me and Murray is bad. Uh, Murray, yeah, is pretty much useless at this point. And you don't have an RB2? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I maybe try first to get Wayne Gallman. You'll have a, a starter for these next six weeks and see what that does for you. But ultimately, yeah, that's ugly. Uh, it's not going to be anything too special there. Who dat? I apologize. Uh, that's that's not going to be good, Jet. Uh, but best of luck. Ingram is a beast. I agree. Let's get on to our fallers, folks. Kyler Murray. A faller. Yeah. You know, I am obviously been leading the Kyler Murray bandwagon this entire offseason. I still believe in the guy. I'm not saying drop the guy or anything of that nature. I mean, look at the volume. He's averaging over 45 pass attempts per game, leads the NFL in attempts. The air raid is as high volume as we expected. It just hasn't quite hit its dynamic point yet. There's been some growing pains. Uh, and most cr- discouragingly, though, is how horrendous this offensive line is. Murray getting hit eight times, eight sacks this week behind that pathetic line. Now, some of these, could he have avoided? Could he have gotten the ball out quicker? Yeah, most likely. But when you only, you know, have two, three seconds to throw, no wonder the air raid's getting a little bit, uh, you know, stampeded, getting a little bit hindered because of this offensive line. It is gross. It is hideous. When he can throw the ball 43 times and he only ends up with 173 yards, that tells you this offense is not allowed to go deep and go aggressive as it would be if it was at its peak. Uh, So yeah, I'm a little bit nervous about Kyle. Kyler Murray, you got to feel better about the fact that he's st- suddenly starting to run 69 rush yards on uh, after having only 17 for those first couple weeks, so eight carries. Nice clip there, looks fast as ever. Uh, so yeah, I like that, but at some point, you know, you got to hope that those big passing game stats, those deep balls and whatnot, uh, plus the rushing yards make this guy, you know, 25, 30 point monster. We have not seen it yet, and I think a big part of that is the offensive line, which is not going to get better. Let's just hope that they can get better around them, put, put the pace up a little bit and compensate for those awful, awful linemen there. Behind him, what is happening to Stefan fucking Diggs? Oh, that is hideous. Uh, Just another complete disappearance. Three targets, 15 yards on three catches. It is awful. And that's against the Raiders, one of the easiest matchups. He had one of the best PFF uh, cornerback wide receiver matchup grades this week. 
What's happening? Well, it's obviously that the fact that this is one of the most run-heavy teams in the entire NFL. Uh, Kirk Cousins actually ranks dead last in pass attempts among quarterbacks with at least three starts. He has only has 63 through three games. I mean, there's plenty of quarterbacks like Cam Newton who have more attempts in only two games than this guy. In fact, Kirk Cousins averages less pass attempts than, get, get this one, folks, than Luke Falk, Mason Rudolph, and Kyle Allen. Who would have put some money on those guys outpacing Kirk Cousins in the beginning of the season? Not I. Yet we knew, you know, coming in was Shanahan. We called it was going to be, I mean, a Kubiak, not Shanahan. That was going to be a little bit more run heavy. We saw that when they transitioned to Stefanski, who maintained that offensive coordinator gig. But we thought there might be a little bit more volume here. So Adam Thielen at least gets in the end zone. He scores on his five to, uh um, targets also gets a, a one-yard score on the ground. He seems to be that more preferred option, the more consistent guy here, but even he is going to have his disappearing acts. But Diggs and Thielen, as talented as they are, as two of the best wide receivers in the league, maybe the best tandem in the league right now, they're just going to be completely capsized because this is the Dalvin Cook show. And who called that one? Hmm. Not sure. But Dalvin Cook, unbelievable this entire year. Uh, this offense is just going to be built upon letting that defense do their job, letting the, the clock bleed with Dalvin Cook, and then we take a few calculated shots. But to me, you know, Diggs no more than a wide receiver three at best. Probably finding my bench in most leagues, and Thielen's at least finding the end zone. But I still wouldn't rank him much higher than, you know, my top 27-ish wide receiver just because he's been buoyed by touchdowns. Who knows if those disappear at a certain point. And now coming up next, the Packers' errands. Now, one of these is obvious, and one of them certainly isn't, but both make me want to puke. The obvious one is Aaron Rodgers. What an absolute garbage heap he's been in fantasy. Legitimately has a season high in yards which was 235 fucking yards, folks. Awful, awful performance. Season high in fantasy points, 14. Oh my good God. That means, yes, for three weeks, he's been under 235 yards and 14 fantasy points. This is Aaron Rodgers, your Hall of Famer, the best to play the game. He's so much better than Tom Brady. If you gave him Bill Belichick, he'd have 10,000 Super Bowls. I mean, yeah, he is a pretty good talent. I get it. But ultimately, this is awful, awful system for this guy. They just throw screen after screen, and these wide receivers don't get it done outside Devontae Adams. Sure, Valdez, Scantlin had a nice touchdown, got deep this week. But this is hideous. This is a run first, run second type of offense, and it's working. I mean, they're getting the wins, so I don't expect it to change. Now, I also hate the fact that we see these two kind of bickering on the sidelines. You can tell Rogers is getting angry with what's going on here. At some point, this looks like it's going to explode and implode. Uh, but ultimately, that ceiling is so capped and the floor is just dinosaur type of offense. You can't feel good about Aaron Rodgers at this point. <laughs> Too many State Farm commercials. I agree with that. It's absolutely pathetic. But the m less obvious Aaron on Packerland that you should be actually more concerned with than you might be is Aaron Jones. Now, the final stat line looked great this week. Had two touchdowns. He's getting the goal line work, which is also fantastic. One-yard uh, one touchdown, another seven-yard score. Ends up with like 15 points on the day. Looks solid. Until you see the fact that he only had 10 carries uh, in one target as compared to 12 carries for Jamal Williams and two targets. What is going on? How is Aaron Jones being outproduced, uh, outtouched by 
Jamal Williams. We've seen this story too many times. We saw Derrick Henry rot with Matt LaFleur last year. And yeah, the touchdowns are helping Aaron Jones look better than the, the you know, actual usage would suggest. To me, I'm, I'm selling high. He's got two monsters in a row. This usage is so concerning. Imagine if he didn't score, he would have had 1.9 in fantasy. So that makes me completely nervous. I love his talent. I think he's one of the best zone runners. He could be a monster if he saw those 20 plus carries like he did two weeks ago. But the fact that Jamal Williams has more usage than Aaron Jones at this point of the season has to make you a little bit sick and queasy as Aaron Jones owners. I would sell high if I could. LaFleur has got to go. I agree, Kevin Duffy. It's absolutely pathetic. It's absolutely horrible. Jet saying, and you think he may be better when Tyreek comes back because then Tyreek will have the number one cornerback on him and Sammy probably could be one of those guys I like Hardman. Oh, what are your thoughts on Watkins? Because uh, he's getting targets, but he's not in the end zone. Yeah, I agree. It's it's frustrating, and I could see him having some of those, you know, like exactly what you p- picture with the number one corner getting drawn to Tyree Kill. Maybe that opens up Watkins. I've never been a huge Watkins guy just because the injury history is so sketchy. I, I just don't love him. So I would be selling him high. I wish I had you know, sold him high in week one if you had him. I hope you did. But ultimately, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Sammy Watkins. But yeah, maybe, maybe he does get to feast on those second corners after building that rapport with Pat Mahomes. All right, another unobvious. You know, we could have expected this one, Faller. Is the Steelers' offense going from Big Ben to Mason Rudolph? Now there's some hope after Mason Rudolph, you know, completed almost 80% of his passes last week, threw for two scores in the second half, that we might potentially have a, a bounce back. This offense might just be fine. Mm, did not look good. 174 yards, two TDs, a couple scores, throws a pick, completes only 14 of 27, so just over a hair above 50%. It did not look good at all. And almost all of that, you know, over half that passing yardage came on a 76 catch and, uh, catch and run uh, type of play from Juju Smith-Schuster. So ultimately, it was hideous. The Steelers' offense was awful. They were being gifted the ball on like the 10-yard line multiple times from the 49ers, and they just couldn't get it done. Uh, he does get a just beautiful matchup against the Bengals, Mason Rudolph does next week, so maybe that's a bounce-back week for this entire offense. But with him leading the charge, we saw everyone kind of disappear. James Conner, 40 yards, just getting stuffed right at the line. Uh, Vance McDonald, 10 yards. Juju Smith-Schuster saved his day with that long score, but otherwise had done a whole hell of a lot of nothing. So yeah, I'm a lot nervous about these weapons. And James Washington, you know, the guy we hoped would blow up, have that previous chemistry at Oklahoma State, what, 15 yards? Did nothing. Completely non-existent. So you got to be a little bit shaken up about your Steelers right now. Another guy that we told you to sell high on, and I hope you listen, John Ross was leading the league in yardage and fantasy points and everything from the wide receiver position. Now, I'm not going to say this guy's just disappearing for the year, but this is a reminder of how boomer bust he could be. Playing that Brandon Cooks role, but just less of a talent. He hauls in two of six targets, 22 yards. Very, very poor outing. Step back for this guy. He does get a nice rebound spot against the Steelers, who give up tons of deep yardage. I would be 
you know, probably starting John Ross this week after these two blowups in a row. But it goes to show you, if he doesn't hit that one or two big plays, he's going to be completely useless in your lineup. He really is a one-trick pony, and now defenses are on to him. I could see him getting taken out more often than he blows up. I'd be a lot uh, more nervous, especially after this week, about owning uh, John Ross here moving forward. And last one before I get back to your questions. Sony Michelle, his sluggish start continues, uh, this time versus the Jets. A robust 11 yards on 11 carries. Thanks, Sony. What a beautiful effort. Thank God if you owned him that he, he fell his ass into the end zone. But he has looked slow, fat. I don't know what happened since that preseason week three where he like ripped up the entire defense and looked like this explosive masterpiece that was actually worthy of a number one overall, uh, first overall pick. Because he's been absolutely god-awful ever since then. Uh, 2.4 yards per carry on the season. And even more concerning, Rex Burkhead out carries him this week. Now granted, that, that might have been the fact that they were up so big. Let's keep Sony on ice. Why use him in a game that he's nondescript? I actually might, you know, after shitting on him so much, could entertain the trade waters and kind of see how low could I buy on this guy? Because I do think the touchdown upside remains, you know, 15 plus TD when you're in this Brady-led offense. He's clearly still the goal line guy. Hey, Damian Harris, first game involved, but still we get the touchdown uh, to, to Sony Michelle. But then again, Rex Burkhead got a you know three yard plunge too. So Burkhead, who entered last year kind of as the starter, was an eighth round fantasy pick, uh, and then you know large largely due to injuries, was kind of knocked off the radar. He might be that better back right now. So ultimately, you gotta be a little bit more skeptical about uh, Sony Michelle moving forward. Looks like we got some good questions coming in. So let's get to those. Uh Jet, or no, Garrett Ford. Welcome to the show, Garrett Ford. Good to see you again. Uh, with Aaron's struggles at QB, would it be smart to trade Eckler while his value is high for another QB and RB, like for Dak and Carson? I think you messaged me about this one, and I said yes to Dak and Carson because I love Dak. I think he's going to get you know 25-plus almost every single week. And Carson, the, you know, Pete Carroll coming out today and saying we're sticking with him. He's still our guy despite the fumbling woes. Uh, I like that he's still going to be that number one option. Now, granted, the defensive woes there make Carson a little bit less valuable when they're not going to be able to maintain that run-obsessed script that you usually have, but I still uh, would would probably pull the trigger on that deal with Melvin Gordon most likely coming back within these next two to three weeks. I think it's a sm- especially if you're desperate. You know, if you're two and zero, then maybe you stick it out. But if you're desperate and you need some wins now, I- I'd go get Dak Garrett. Uh, Tunes or Jet saying I have Sony, Damian Williams, and David Johnson as my RBs, uh, but McCoy scares me as stealing Damian's job, and Michelle has been pissing me off. Yeah, not much I can really disagree with there. Michelle has been horrible, uh, overly concerned. I'd be more concerned about the fact that they continue to maintain a committee each and every week, whether it's Daryl Williams, whether it's Darwin Thompson, whoever it might be. It seems like they're going to be splitting that work up. So Damian Williams does take a little bit of a hit there, Jet. Tunes, about to hate cut Mayfield and TJ Hawkinson. Good idea. If not, talk me out of it. I wish I could talk you out of it. I mean, depends who you're picking up, Kyle. But if you really think you're gonna, you know, get a nice cathartic feeling, uh, I'm a big fan about it. Uh, so yeah, I, I I love a good hate cut. If it's gonna bring you some sleep and make you know rest and sweet dreams come easier, then then okay, cut them. But I could see that team rebounding. I really can see Baker and the Jets. I mean, the the uh, Browns offense really turning it around. So I probably would hold tight. 
Hawkinson too. I mean, what what are you cutting him for? What's out there? Let me know. Kevin Duffy, Damon Harris worth owning over Justice Hill? Not really. I don't know if either one is all that much uh, worth owning. I would much rather, as you mentioned there, Kevin, have Daryl Williams. Uh, that'd be my opinion. I lucked out and dropped Hawk and picked up Disley. Yeah, that was a garbage time score of epic proportions. In fact, you want to hear one of the worst fantasy beats? So in my league, uh, I was facing fucking Russell Wilson and Will Disley. And not only did they hook up for that last second touchdown after that bullshit fucking penalty call, but Russell Wilson went over 400 yards, which got him that 400-yard bonus for another five points in my league. That was like a 25-point swing, that one shitty-ass, stupid fucking garbage time play to Will Disley. Ruined me. Fuck that. Awful. I'm glad I'm helping you, Jet, because uh, I need some therapy after this week. It was horrible for myself. Ingram or Gurley rest of season? CJ, great question. i got to go Ingram here. I mean, that offense is much more explosive than I ever thought they would be. He's got three scores. He's going to be the goal line back all year. Uh, one of my main concerns about Ingram coming into the year was that he was going to be uh, robbed and vultured by Gus Edwards, Gus the bus. But that's not the case. Ingram's been pounding him in from the one-yard line. I'm a huge fan of Mark Ingram moving forward. And Gurley, I mean, he's getting goal line work stolen. Conversely, he's inconsistent. He looks healthy one week and then looks sluggish the next you're just trying to get me to admit that Gurley isn't looking that great, aren't you? But, I mean, this is more about Ingram looking so beautiful. I still would probably buy low on Gurley. <laughs> Ingram, though, is the guy, for sure. My QB is Stafford. Ugh. How much should I bet bid on Daniel Jones? I'd say a solid 25-30. You got to know, every league's different. Like, if I knew I needed Daniel Jones in my league... People are going to be throwing 50, 60 out of 100. Like, it's one of those leagues where if you want your guy, you got to put it all out there. It's one of those things you just decide what week am I shoving all my chips in. So, yeah, if you need a QB that bad, Johnny G, and I don't know why you didn't listen to me last week. I was telling everyone to pick him up and stash him. I would pick up Daniel Jones in a heartbeat. Yep. Um, Disley on waivers. Thanks, for <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get on to some waivers since we're getting a ton of waiver questions here. And go over some names that you should have on your waiver wire. First and foremost, Daniel Jones. As I was just answering a question about him, I told you to stash him last week. Told plenty of people to start him even if you lost, you know, Bed Ben. Or you lost Drew Brees. Whew, that one panned out. It doesn't always go that beautiful. But Daniel Jones making me look like a genius. Uh, but the signs were there the entire preseason. 23 of 36 passes, 336 yards, and two scores. Uh, and then adds another two touchdowns on the ground, which is that added benefit, that Konami code. He looked beautiful. He was making high-degree throws of difficulty, just hitting people in the corner of the end zone, hitting them, streaking down the field. You got plenty of yak when you got athletes like Evan Ingram going down the field for you. It's a beautiful setup. He is perfect for Pat Shermer's system, Daniel Jones. He has great anticipation, hits his guys on the run. Then you add those leg points, especially in the red zone. You got Saquon Barkley, we're going to talk about a little bit later, removed from the offense. It's going to be all about Daniel Jones for these next four to eight weeks for however long that he's out. You got Golden Tate coming back to the lineup in one more week. So he's got a solid weapons cabinet. He's clearly very talented himself after completing 88% of his throws in the preseason that translated into real game action. Uh, I really think if I was a New York Giants fan, I'd be stoked that they found their guy. For all the shit Dave Gettleman got this offseason, and yeah, he probably could have waited to get this guy at the second uh, first round pick that he had, 
you still can't hate the move because Daniel Jones does look like he's about to be a franchise. He looks certainly like he belongs. Yes, it was against the Bucks defense, one of the most pathetic units in the league, but even still, Daniel Jones could be a fantasy cheat code with the running upside, the beautiful arm, and his solid weapons cabinet. I love this guy moving forward. I'd probably rank him at about QB 12, maybe even higher. Uh, as a Giants fan, be pumped about this guy. My girlfriend certainly is, and I fucking hate the Giants, but still. I'll listen to it. Wayne Gallman, speaking of the Giants, not nearly as talented, but going to be coming into se- severe heavy volume. He only has five carries for 13 yards in their week three win, but the, the news here isn't his stat line. It's that Saquon Barkley is going to be out four to eight weeks. I don't know if they make a move for another running back. They pick up another guy. I probably wouldn't be burning everything to get Wayne Gallman because even if you get him and he's the featured back, it's Wayne fucking Gallman, folks. He's not about to just go light the world on fire. So no, I, I'm not going to be blowing money. I'd rather have Daniel Jones. That's why he's at the top. But if you need a running back, if you you know one of the commenters in here had nobody at RB2, I guess you could take some comfort in the fact that Gallman will touch the ball 15 to 20 times. He can be a receiver. He's hideous. I mean, he's not good. I see the comment in there. Gallman is puke. And I agree, CJ. Absolute puke. But again, volume and a decent offensive, especially with Danny Dimes getting him some red zone looks. I can see Gallman being a fair bet for a touchdown each and every week. So I like Gallman. Moving forward, I just wouldn't blow all my money. I've heard a lot of experts say, it's Gallman. He's the number one pickup. Don't don't doubt it. I'd in fact rather have this guy. That's Daryl Williams. A better talent and a better overall offense. Anybody in this Chiefs attack is going to be worth something. And Daryl Williams was not the starter, but the highest used back out touches McCoy 14 to 11. Part of that was McCoy seemed to get a little gimpy and, and started to, to pull up. But Daryl Williams did plenty with his touches, 62 rushing yards, 47 uh, receiving, nice 109 total yard day on his 14 touches, was dynamic, showed those three down skill sets to thrive in an Andy Reid style offense. I mean, what else needs to be more? What else more needs to be said when you have Pat Mahomes at QB, a solid offensive line? Damian Williams scored ten touchdowns in six games with these guys. If Daryl Williams is going to be the guy, then he has equal touchdown upside. He didn't get one this week, but the overall yardage was there. This guy has humongous ceiling. Who knows exactly when Williams will be back? Who knows the status on McCoy's ankle? But to know that this guy is clearly the number three ahead of Darwin Thompson and Reed after the game says I trusted him more. So whatever reason, I mean, I love Darwin Thompson. I think he's as explosive as can be, but isn't getting his time right now. It's a Darrell Williams show. He would be my priority add if I needed a running back. And yeah, sure, he's got less guaranteed volume than Wayne Gallman, but the high quality of that touches of those usage in the side of this offense is worth so much more. Now here's a name for the creatures of all creatures. Crawling out of your sewer down the street. Who knows where this one came from, but... Dawson Knox. Huh? Who? What? If you don't know who I'm talking about, I don't blame you. He's the tight end, though, for the Buffalo Bills. Hauls in three of his four targets, 67 yards, and a score this week. And the reason I bring him up is the tight end position is so damn thin. There's a good chance you've been getting nothing unless you have Darren Waller. Unless you had, I mean, really, who else has been consistent this year? Tight end, obviously, Travis Kelsey. But even guys like Kittle, Ertz has been meh. Like, 
gets it done somewhat, but nothing exciting here. So if you need a tight end, if you're desperate, this guy's 1% owned. Uh, to go over the ownership percentages of all these other guys too, Daniel Jones was 17%, Gallman 6%. So good chance that all these guys and Daryl Williams 7% were out there for you in your waiver wires. But Dawson Knox is a guy that I could get behind. Now, who the hell is he? I can't pretend like I knew a ton about him, but an Ole Miss product runs a 4.5 at his huge 250 pounds, uh, has a 34-inch vertical so he can get up and, and high point the ball. And all training camp, there were reports that he's already impressed. Uh, Josh Allen praised him for his familiarity with the playbook. Not long after that, he had an excellent little rapport. Uh, things that you can't ignore, even for spring, is how often Josh Allen looks for him, Bushulia wrote. So getting praise from all over in the spring and training camp for having this beautiful rapport. We didn't see it through two weeks, but now with people banged up, you know, Croft re-injures that foot. He's the clear-cut number one tight end there. And with so many other question marks around him, yeah, John Brown has been a beast for the most part. Colt Beasley hauled in eight looks, but still... Dawson Knox, if you're desperate at tight end, is a great uh, great look right now. And especially if you have two guys to cut, because then you could cut, uh, you know, you start Darwin Thompson for a week, and then you got a nice bridge to Ben Watson coming back, or who I like even better. In two weeks, they got a bye, and then he's got one more week suspended. That's Chris Herndon. I think he could come back and be an absolute force off the waiver wire, uh, be a tight end that you could use each and every week. So I'm a big fan of stashing uh, of Chris Chris Herndon right now, maybe even Ben Watson, but using Dawson Knox as the bridge to get there. Now, the world might be all ablaze about Daniel Jones, and rightly so, but another backup quarterback came in and lit it up and looked far superior to the starter above him. That's Kyle Allen, an air raid master himself. 19 of 26 for 261 and four touchdowns, folks. Four touchdowns. Looks like he can throw a ball. Already an immediate upgrade over Cam Newton, who goddamn sucks. All you need to do is complete passes, and Kyle Allen certainly did that. Uh, he found Olsen for two, finds Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore for two others. Throws it deep, throws it intermediate, just gets the ball where it needs to be. How refreshing was that to see? This offense is littered with dangerous weapons that run all over the field, wide open. Yeah, it was against the Cardinals, so I mean, you got to take everything against the Cardinals, non-existent D, with a little bit of a grain of salt. Still, Kyle Allen, I mean, this is the second straight time he's had a start and looked pretty damn high quality, had two touchdowns in his last start. I really like this guy moving forward. He's got the weaponry here. He clearly has the arm to make all the throws. The line gave him some solid protection. I really think Kyle Allen, you know, where everybody's all about Daniel Jones, as they should be, and I'd rather own Daniel Jones for sure. But if you miss out on him, take a little stab at Kyle Allen if you're desperate at quarterback. I think you get a nice little streamer in the right matchups. And the, the schedule for the Panthers is pretty light this year. So there's more weeks than not that you could probably use him. Last but not least, on the waiver wire, then we got a few injuries. Obviously, the huge one was Saquon. Uh, we got Edelman to cover, and we also have T.Y. Hilton to update you on. And then it's going to be pure questions anymore that you have. So I see them. I'm not ignoring you guys. I promise I will be getting to all of those. Keep them coming in. Keep the pile on going here, folks. Uh, but let's roll with our last note here. That's Rexy Burkhead. Gets 11 carries, so ties Sony Michelle for carries. But instead of getting only 11 yards, 
yards. He rips it for 47. Also significantly more involved in the pass game. Now, granted, that was James White being out. No way after the baby's already been born that Burkhead's going to maintain that receiving usage. But six catches, 22 yards. Ultimately gets a score as well. So a nice 18-point day for you uh, for you PPR folks. A nice, nice uh, effort from Rex Burkhead and a reminder that this guy not long ago was the first Patriots running back that you were looking to add in fantasy drafts because of the versatility, the fact that he makes them unpredictable. And he's been heavily involved two, two out of three games over double digit fantasy points, uh, just has not gone away. And that's why Sony Michelle has become so risky. Burkhead does so much more for this offense as a versatile threat, not a better player, not a better runner necessarily than Sony Michelle, but still, you know what Bill Belichick loves? It's dangerous. Dangerous, you know, versatility. It's a guy that can play multiple spots, and Burkhead is the definition of a jackknife that can do it all. Uh, so I love Vex Burkhead. Uh, I think you know, fourteen percent owned. No, now he's up to twenty-four percent owned after James White was announced out, but still out there in over seventy-five percent of leagues. I think he makes a great add if you're desperate at running back. The usage will be inconsistent once White's back. It's going to be tough to trust any one of those guys, but between Michelle's injury history, I really think you might get some decent usage out of Burkhead. But the Patriot I would be even more intrigued to add, especially if you needed a wide receiver, is Philip Dorsett. Six grabs, 53 yards, and a score. He's been the highest scoring Patriots wide receiver through three weeks. I had that monstrous week one. He clearly was more involved in the preseason. He had five catches for 50 yards on Brady's only drive. I mean, this guy is getting it done. He clearly has become a bigger part of the offense. Brady does not ever hesitate to rave about him whenever he gets the chance. It's one of those things where last year, you know, he'd get one or two quick hits, maybe a deep ball here and there. But down the stretch in the playoffs, something like CJ, I know you're maybe still tuned in. Was it 16 out of 16? He caught the last 16 straight balls. Uh, And he's carried that over into a great start of this season. Only 14% owned. I really like Philip Dorsett, you know, especially with Josh Gordon, a, a week-to-week question mark. You never know when he's going to go out. Edelman, the injury concerns being brought up there. So, yeah, Philip Dorsett out there in almost any league, and I really think needs to be closer to 50 to 60% owned. A wide receiver three with upside in this weekly attack. That's not going to let its foot off the gas pedal. It's clear they're on a mission like they were a couple years ago. All righty. we got a few injuries to cover, but first... Uh, let's get to a cut. Uh, no, we only got three. Let's rip through these so I can just focus only on your questions afterwards. I, I promise that's coming, folks. The first one, obviously, is Saquon Barkley. We covered it with Wayne Gallman, but if you missed that part, uh, Barkley's going to miss four to eight weeks with a high ankle sprain. Pretty big range there, and Schefter's saying that it's going to probably be on the longer end of those four to eight weeks, too, which is a humongous blow for fantasy owners. Likely took this guy first overall, unless you listen to me and took Kamara, who had, what, a 30-point day? Hmm? Oops. Uh, but Barkley, obviously, you know, nobody expected him to get hurt. He's a beast. He's so thick and like sturdy. Those thighs, those quads, my God. This guy gets knocked out. He could have made it so much more dangerous. So that sucks for Giants fans. It sucks for your fantasy owners that had him. Wayne Gallman at 6% owned is the guy that you get to try to you know, somewhat make up for the production, but it won't be even close to this dynamic monster. The NFL just isn't going to be fun. Uh, as fun when you don't have a talent like Barkley on the field. Next is T.Y. Hilton. Re-aggravated the quad injury in week three, according to Frank Reich. He was questionable entering the week. Uh, played, got a touchdown for you before he went out at least. And then uh, happens in week three, he did not return. And he's looked great this entire year. He's clearly Brissett's go-to guy, especially in the red zone. 
but it's unlikely, uh, right now it's questionable at best, and Hilton's been one of the best at gutting out injuries, playing through pain, I love his toughness, he, he truly is a beast, but it sounds like this thing really did get shaken up pretty hard, so if he doesn't play, you got a Colts group featuring, uh, who's the guy, Zach Paschal? Chester Rogers, Paris Campbell, Deion Kane. I mean, a lot of weird, like, number three wide receivers. I don't know who the number one would be. My guess is Pascal based on last game. Uh, and I don't know who their exact matchup is. But if Hilton's out there, oh, Raiders, uh, you know, that could be a, a defense you could exploit. So at least one of those guys, if Hilton's out, is likely to make some noise. Uh, so track that injury, see if he's out, uh, especially if you're an owner. And last but not least, less severe, is Julian Edelman. Gets knocked out of the game, does not return with a chest injury, but it gets the x-rays, nothing broken, nothing serious. And Ian Rappaport after the game saying he's going to be good. Uh, and that's just great to hear. Edelman is such a key cog to this offense and a quality PPR fantasy asset at that. We're going into that matchup against the unbeaten Bills. <laughs> Complete fluke. Can't wait to just expose them on national TV. Either way, though, Edelman will be a key cog to that. Probably not going to draw Tredavious White. That uh, will be more likely Gordon getting that tough coverage. So I love Edelman this week. Glad to hear that he is uh, not expected to miss any extended type of time. Maybe questionable for this week, so yeah, check back, make sure he's playing, but ultimately Edelman has avoided a serious downfall. All right, let's get to any questions I have missed here. Uh, he's the truth, excited as a Giants fan, says Duffy, I would be too. You think Giants trade Manning? I mean, maybe. What would they exactly be looking for? Like, what if they go to, you know, the Jaguars, but Minshew's looked like the real deal? That place would be an uproar if they ever traded for him. Does he go to, you know, we saw Teddy Bridge get it done? Like, where exactly, who would be buying Eli Manning right now? Like, who's that unsettled at quarterback? I'm trying to picture it, and I'm having a tough time, too. Time to sell on Malcolm Brown. I mean, what are you selling him for, I guess, Tunes? Like, if someone's going to trade for him and give you a decent haul, sure. But otherwise, I'd still keep holding on to him. You got the girly handcuff upside. I still think he comes with you know 12 touchdown upside as their goal line guy. So no, I wouldn't send him packing yet. Who's a guy you were high on, who you're giving up on after three weeks? And who's a guy who's off to a slow start, but you think will turn it around? I love that question, Johnny. I wish I had a little time to prep for that one. I'm trying to think uh, who I'm high on that, that I'm giving up on. I mean, I wasn't that high on Winston, but I, I don't ever want him. Who was I, who was I really high on? I kind of need to see a list of players here. Because uh, a, a decent amount, you know, Dalvin Cook has panned out clearly. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray has not been great, but I'm not giving up on him yet. I think he could rebound. So that's the guy who I think is off to a slow start, uh, probably right around QB 15 or so in stats. That I see has some, some cheat code upside still down the stretch run. I'm trying to think... You know, Latavius Murray, I was a high, you know, draft this guy. Not a big fan of him right now. Mixon, I think, does turn it around, so I don't think it's him. I'm trying to think. Let me pull, you know what, Johnny? I'm going to pull up my big board and see some of the guys uh, that were, like, our guys. 2019 uh, big board and rankings. And I'll give you a good answer to that, Johnny, because I think that's a fantastic question. Diggs has been awful. I would not. I, I already talked about him. Diggs isn't turning around, Johnny. Good times. Uh, in case you missed that part, nobody has fewer pass attempts per game than Kirk Cousins. He has fewer pass attempts per game than Luke Falk, Kyle Allen, and more pathetic losers. So yeah, I, I am not a fan of Diggs ever becoming anything you can consistently rely upon, uh, depend upon. 
I mean, Baker Mayfield, that could be an answer. I was so high on him to be the number two quarterback in fantasy. I thought, Ky- you know, that combination of Freddie Kitchens and Todd Munkin. I mean, Munkin got it done with Winston and Fitzpatrick. They were leading the league in passing yards. I don't know what's happening there. I hope they maybe turn the keys over to him at some point and just see what he can do. Uh, Yeah, it's tricky. I don't know exactly what to do with him. I mean, Montgomery, I feel like, does continue to turn it around. Derrick Henry I was high on, but that was good. Uh, You know, I'm looking down my big board here. There's not a whole ton that are, are looking awful. I mean, even Philip Lindsay this week broke out of his slump. You know who I am? You know, Duke Johnson. I called him a, a, a week a round five season winner. And while he's flashed and looked as explosive as I thought he could, he just isn't getting those touches. They decided to give it to Carlos Hyde over 20 touches last week, was fifth in the league in rushing yardage coming into the week. So I'd say Duke Johnson, the guy that I think is uh, surprisingly less active than, uh, than I expected. But yeah, Diggs is horrendous. I do not see him turning it around. If anybody in your league believes he's a sell low or whatever, buy low, and he has any type of uh, name value. I was high on OJ Howard. That was kind of like the industry. I'm not, I'm not, you know, everybody thought he was that next big breakout tight end. I wouldn't call him worthless. We saw some of that athleticism this week. He finally got a little bit of action there. So I think OJ Howard could rebound this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Diggs, bust of the year potential so far. Uh, and definitely, I was way too high on, uh, who was I just fucking saying? God damn, smoke too much weed sometimes. Uh, Duke Johnson, I, I not not the, the round five season winner that I was expecting. Alrighty, folks, it looks like that has wrapped up our questions. Uh, so thank you so much for finding us here on YouTube. The bad boys got banned by Facebook. We will be back on Facebook on Wednesday, but that means one more stream session tomorrow. Uh, my week two wave uh, rankings, the rankings rundown. So if you want those rankings rundown, come on over to uh, YouTube Live. Hopefully we can get both going at the same time for the near future. But really appreciate it, guys. Any likes, comments, shares of anything that we do is always huge. Uh, and thanks for tuning in. This was awesome. See you guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin. Second down. Third down. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.